Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hi, and welcome back to How I Quit Alcohol. Today in the Zoom room, I'm joined by Michelle Sutherland. Michelle is a social entrepreneur. She's a proud Scozzy and just an all-round inspiring human. This podcast is proudly brought to you by Monday Distillery. Monday Distillery is a new age beverage company revolutionising the way we look at having a night out with friends. They make sophisticated, non-alcoholic beverages that are sugar-free and full of social graces. Now you can enjoy a good time, love what you drink and love yourself the next day too. Stay high in spirits, keep a clear mind. Cheers to Monday. Are you sick of feeling controlled by alcohol? Do you want to drink less? Do you wake up on a Sunday morning feeling really anxious and full of regret? I'm Danny Carr and welcome to my podcast, How I Quit Alcohol. We want to hear about your, uh, your, your journey with alcohol. So you're obviously Scottish. Yes, I am. How long have you been in Australia for? So I have been in Australia for 10 years. I celebrated my anniversary in October this oh, year. Right. So I've been here 10 years, yeah. And they drink a lot in Scotland, yeah? I remember. Um, yes. I think it, it's really funny because when I meet people and I say I don't drink, they look at me a bit funny because the accent doesn't quite match that <laughs> stereotypical view. But yeah, the Scottish people, I think between Scottish and Irish, it's very close. But I think Scottish people might just tip it. I think they, uh-huh. they, they're known to like a good drink, that's for sure. Although I've known, I know some Irish people that might beg to differ there. But... <laughs> yeah, there's what what a great challenge between us. Like who can drink the most? It's crazy. Yeah, but I think the Irish are very close. That is so Definitely. cool. So, and you call yourself a Scozzy, so it's a... yeah. I'm a very proud Scozzy. I, be- I became an Australian citizen a few years ago, and yeah, I, I love being a Scozzy. That's so cool. And you said in your message to me that you started drinking around 14 years old down yeah. the road. just sounds like, sounds the same as me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, absolutely, because like, you know, growing up in Scotland, and I, I'm from a, a little town called Paisley, which is just outside of Glasgow, and you know, 
there wasn't much to do, you know. There was, it was, I think most people will know Scottish weather, especially in the summer, <laughs> isn't isn't that you know isn't the best. And you know, as as I was growing up, it, it was just a thing that the people that I sort of ended up hanging around around with, like you know, we just get to a Friday evening after a week in school, and we were just like we'd meet, we'd actually meet at this meeting point that was right next to the bottle shop or the bottle, as you guys would call it, and we would wait there to get the person that was going to buy us alcohol from the shop. This is what it was like, and there would always be someone. Um, so we would wait there, we would get someone to buy us alcohol, and we would then go to the local park. So there was there was actually probably about 15 or 20 of us, maybe even more. And we would get, you know, ask the person to get all the alcohol we wanted. And my I think my drink back then, which I cannot believe I used to drink at 14, and God knows how I did it, but it was like a quarter bottle of vodka. Remember Sunny Delight? You remember that awful Sunny Delight juice that came out? It was like an orange sugary drink. So I used to like basically tip out half the bottle of Sunny D and put the quarter bottle of vodka in the Sunny D bottle. So we'd hide it from the police. It was like, oh. So yeah, that was what it was like. And my mum, I don't think still knows this. So hopefully she doesn't listen to this podcast. But um, yeah, that was from like 14. So it was just a very cultural thing that, you know, at that age, you would you would meet, you know, it was, I think it was a way for us to connect. And, you know, we did have great friendships and it was just what we did. It was, I, I can't really remember why or how it came about, but it was just like a group of people, group of friends, young, young teenagers getting together, go to the local park and we'd hang out there for hours and we'd just drink and have fun. And that was it. That's that's how I grew up. So that's pretty much what we did. So did you find it got progressively worse as you got older? Yeah, I think, I, I mean, I'm thinking about it, did it get worse? I think it just became a thing, a regular thing. So if I think about like that 14, my 14 year old self, it was like, you know, we'd meet at 6pm, we'd get the, the person to get the alcohol, we'd go to the park, we'd hang out for a few hours. And then as I got older, as as we became of age, you know, getting to 18, it was like, we'd meet on Friday night, we'd get her alcohol but we'd go to someone's house then we'd go to the bars we'd go to the clubs and I think as it as we you know were legally allowed to it just became maybe a bit longer and a bit more so like the Friday night and the Saturday night and you know that whole mentality of living for the weekend you know that sort of old school work Monday to Friday or whatever it is and then go hard at the weekends and then recover Sunday and probably Monday and Tuesday actually and then you know, work again. So I think, yeah, you, you could probably say it got worse. It, 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 and I think as well in Scotland, I stayed in Scotland until I was about 20, before I moved to London, I think it was about 22, 23. Um, and it, it, it definitely is, and, and I think Scotland's well known for this in many other countries, including Australia, has that binge drinking culture. So it was very much like I didn't really drink during the week, but it came to the weekend and I was like, you know, let's go, let's party, let's have fun with our friends. And, you know, the girls, it was all about getting together with the girls. And, you know, it, it, it became that connection for all of us. And that's how we had fun. And, you know, yeah, it did, it did get the binging just got more. It became the Friday night and the Saturday night rather than just the Friday um, and as we were legal, it became more accessible as well, you know? It was easier. We didn't need to wait on the corner to ask someone to buy us alcohol. Yeah, that's right. I think that's when it becomes legal, it's like, oh, shit, because it's, it is so much easier to get. I remember we were the same. We would have 
someone's sister or someone's brother would buy us like a cask. You know, yeah. Of yeah. Fruity Lexia. Uh. <laughs> we'd, same thing. We'd drink it. For, we'd sneak out and we'd drink it yeah. like Friday and Saturday. And then we would get like, we really hung over on the Saturday, Sunday. Yeah. Get like chips and gravy in the pub. Oh, oh absolutely. <laughs> and then drink the rest of the Fruity Lexia if there was any left as well. But I remember being in Edinburgh years ago, but I was pregnant with Sunny. I remember going into, and I, I thought, oh, wow, this place is for me. Um, <laughs> going to this place in Edinburgh. And it was just like any old pub that we walked into. Yeah. And I remember just all these people sitting around singing these old yeah. songs. And I was just like, holy shit. Like, I got to enjoy it sober because I was pregnant, but Ash was there drinking. Yeah. I don't know what he was drinking, beer of some sort. Yeah. Um, but it looked so much fun <laughs> yeah I mean that's the thing like growing up in Scotland and going to these bars and especially when it's cold like there's so many comforting things about getting in the pub it was like warm the fireplace the interior is very old old and worldly I mean even just um uh, a few years ago I, I was with my father and we went to this place in like near Cornwall and there's actually, there's this pub that's at the top of this hill and it's actually a tradition where the men and the boys come together and they pass on these songs that they've learned from their grandfather and um, their great-grandfather and so on. It's actually a movie, it's called My Fisherman's Friend and I think that's what it's called. And so basically there's this tradition where you could actually see the boys of today listening to the songs and learning them and singing together with a little beer and their hand. And so I think there's actually, you know, there's some nice things about this, you know, and I think that masculine connection, I think that's so beautiful we see it. Um, you know, and it is actually, that's what we grew up, was having those environments where, you know, it was nice to go into and people were singing and especially in our culture, you know, singing and dancing and drinking, it was all together, like, and it, it brought us together in a lot of ways. So do you think now going back, because you've been sober for almost three years now, have yeah. you been back since you've been sober? Yeah, so I, I tend to go back every year to Scotland because I feel as if it, it sort of grounds me and my roots, you know, I always like to go back there. So how do, you, um, how do you go with that kind of environment? And then um, So do you know what? It's actually fine. So in terms of my family, like none of my family have really been big drinkers. Definitely on my mum's side, they haven't. You know, they would, they would enjoy like a, you know, a glass of wine, but they've, ne they've never really been big drinkers. My grandparents weren't, my mum wasn't. Um, with some of my friends, it, it's sort of like a mix. Some people find it uncomfortable, but because I'm so comfortable with it, I think it puts them at ease. Um, but I, I can sense that some of them do get a bit uncomfortable, but it's probably, it's actually more about what my decision, how that feels for them rather than me. When I feel comfortable um, when, and other people drink around me, it doesn't bother me at all. So I think with that ease of myself and, you just, you know, just sharing my story. I think also sharing my story helps people understand. And then I always notice as well, like people are really curious about it. Like it's as if they want to do it, but they don't feel as if they could. And mm -hmm. um, so when it ends up becoming a conversation, like literally in a bar or wherever we are, because they're just really, a lot of people are very curious because it, especially in Scotland, it's, it's so different to how we've been brought up. And they, they just maybe perhaps are wondering, but they don't really know how they could do it. 
Um, so I just talk through the things that I've done that have helped and, you know, things that I've read. Um, so, yeah, for me, like, I feel fine. It's just maybe a couple of my friends feel a little bit uncomfortable. But I think you've just got to let, you've got to let those people go on their journey. Like, I'm not here. I'm just here to live my life. And if that suits, you know, and, and if that suits them, great. And if it doesn't, you know, those friendships won't last. And that's okay. Friendships aren't, for some, some are from life and some aren't. So I think it's getting... You know, I always remember my aunt says, you know, you have a friend for a reason, friend for a season and friend for life. And um, I think giving up alcohol, you start to see whether people, you know, where people, where friends fall into. And that's OK. I think it's being comfortable knowing that that may happen, you know. Yeah, I love that whole concept. I was listening to a Michael Bernard Beckwith book recently, and he was talking about that, that whole friends for life, friends mm-hmm. and, or friends for whatever moment in time they're there and definitely I can definitely say that when you do go on the sober journey that that does present and it does change and you will realize that some friends are there for a season yeah ones that don't give a shit either way whether you drink yeah exactly there's a life for it and it it, is totally fine I don't I don't think they really mind most of my friends don't really mind yeah that's so so fantastic what did make you want to stop I was actually, I knew you were going to ask me this and I was actually trying to think back to my thought process of when it came about. So I remember there was a couple of things that led me to the decision. And, and I think making a decision is really important and, and, and it's good to sort of look back and reflect. So if I think back, so I gave up alcohol on the 1st of January 2017. And so if I go back a few months, um, I, I, I had um, I had a major breakup um, with my ex partner I think that was like September 2016 and I I felt when I broke up with him like I started to drink more and I just like lost it you know and you know you're grieving and you're hurting and you're trying to process things it was quite a you know sort of brutal ending so I was sort of like going into that space and so I I felt as if I, I definitely was using alcohol to sort of get myself through what happened was a couple of I don't know, serendipitous moments, synchronicities, like, you know, I split up with him two weeks later. I end up at a Tony Robbins, Tony Robbins seminar, Unleash the Power with it. And he spent, out of four days, he spent an entire day on your health. And what he said was just basically like, when you have your health and if you focus on that, you can do everything you want to do. Like, your health is everything. Health is energy. And if you've not got energy, you can't do what you want to do. And he came to a section in this health, in this one day in health, and it was alcohol. And he, it was literally the one sentence, and it was so blunt, and it was so direct, and it, and it literally just hurt me. But he was just like, "I'm not going to spend too much time in this." He's like, "Here's all the facts in this section of the book. Alcohol is poison. Don't do it. I'm going to move on." <laughs> it's just like, it was literally just one sentence, and I remember it just really stuck with me. And, and the other thing that happens around about this time, and you'll maybe, if people are on this journey, you may find that this is three or four times that this has come up around giving up alcohol or quitting. And I remember around about this time, obviously I'm an entrepreneur and I had, um, I had, I had witnessed two entrepreneurs that I really admire give up alcohol for a year. And I was so curious and I said to them, why? are you giving up alcohol? Like, it was so weird to me. Like, honestly, it was like the weirdest thing. 
because I saw it as such a social connection thing and that probably comes from my childhood. Um, but they just said, simply, as entrepreneurs, we want to achieve more than we ever have. And we've got a lot to do this year. And that was pretty much, there were two completely different entrepreneurs and that was their answers. And I went, well, I want to achieve more than I ever have in business. <laughs> and so that happened. And then I was still going through the grieving process. I took myself off to New York. I was there for about five or six weeks. Um, and I remember the moment I was walking, I was staying in Hoboken, which is looking right across to New York City in the landscape. And I was on this walk. And I think great ideas and great things come to you when you're in nature as well. Mm. And I just had this moment and all those sort of synchronicities and all those conversations had all come to this point. And I said, you know what, Michelle? Like, and I was reflecting on the year that was and I was thinking ahead to 2017 and I went, I want to be the healthiest I can possibly be and I want to achieve more than I ever have. Mm. And that was became my driver. And so I decided it was about a week before um, the, the 1st of January 2017 and I said, that's the day. That I've made my decision, that's the day. And I remember texting my friend Paul, he was there in New York, and I said, I've made a decision. I just, I was like, this is it. And he went, what is it? And I went, I'm going to give up alcohol for all of 2017. So in my mind, I was going to do it for a year, almost as an experiment to see like what would actually happen if I gave up alcohol. And he said, oh my God, he said, that's crazy. And everyone that I said at the time, because those people around me were pretty big drinkers and they were like, what? Like, they were like, what? I was like, I know, that's what I used to think. I was like, what? But you know what? Like, I have to do it. I have to experiment. And that was it. I went hard. We went out. We went um, down to the meatpacking district on New Year's Eve. We had, the, I had my best friends there. We had the best night. And I woke up. And I remember on the 1st of January 2017, with the worst hangover on the planet, I said, this is the last time I will ever feel like this. Yay. And that was it. And then... That's so cool. And do you know what? I love that we just figured this out when we started this call was that <laughs> on the same day. Yeah, it's funny. With the same intention. To ah! yeah. And then, of course, you know, did you ever have that moment? I remember having because I told everybody. <laughs> I remember waking up, not New Year's Day, but it was like the day after New Year's Day. Yeah. And was like, oh, fuck, what have I done? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh, no, because I'm really too, like, if I say something, I have to stick to it. Yeah, I'm the same, yeah. And I thought, shit, shit, shit. <laughs> yeah, I did. I did, like, like like you, like, the first was, like, oh, worst hangover ever. So it was, like, this decision makes sense. But, yeah, the few days after, when I was in New York, like, the best place ever, I was, like, oh, just a week ago, I was drinking cocktails at, you know, Central Station with my best pal. Um, and now I'm like, I'll have a mocktail. <laughs> you know, it's like... And you definitely do. Like, it's it's cool to speak to you about this because I think you do have this moment and anywhere on your journey to this, yes. moment, you're like, all right, am I actually going to do this? And yeah. You do have wavering moments. So it's not yeah. to say that we've done this and we never had that moment of like, no bullshit you know yeah. probably with it yeah totally but we all did and you did which is really yeah. cool to know, and good to let other people know that you will come up against times where you're like oh fuck what am I doing you know yeah absolutely I remember and, and people will say it to you as well like what are you doing and then you go oh what am I doing so then you sort of question it as well but I remember what helped for me and this might help for people listening is I said okay I'm gonna do three months 
So January, February, March. And that's how I, like, because I'm a big believer, if you've got a big goal, especially one that challenges you, break it down and break it down and break it down. So then I was like, okay, I'm going to do three months, January, February, March. And then, and then people were like, oh, okay. And so when they were okay, I felt a bit okay. So it was like, I'll break it down. And then I was like, and then when I get to March, I'm going to see how I feel. And then I got to March and I was like feeling so good that I was like, okay, now I'm going to do the next three months. And then by the time you're halfway, you're like, I've done six months. I may as well do another three. And then you're nearly at the end of the year and you're like, whoa, like I've only got three months. And and because it slowly but surely builds up this clarity and confidence and energy and all these other amazing benefits, it, it just becomes, it just becomes actually more addictive to do that than go back. And so it gets more appealing as you go on. But I found breaking it down, even if you do month by month, like that to me really helped because I had a sort of like, you know, a point where I could sort of celebrate that and then move on to the next. So that that definitely helped me in the first year anyway. Yeah, I think breaking it down into mini goals. Yeah. And this is what I talk to with people that I'm coaching. It's not like definitely the end goal is 12 months or never. Yeah, yeah you know, 12 months, but then breaking it down. And that's exactly what we did as well. So mm-hmm. um, I think initially it was even like get through one month and then yes, one, one month, do another one. Yeah. And it sort of got easier as time went on. But yeah. Absolutely. Like, you, and I remember like, oh God, I've done one month. Shit. Will I just do? <laughs> oh, no, because I've told everyone. And that's, yeah. it is really good to be accountable and to tell people yeah. what you're doing. But yeah. if you're in your own self, you can go, okay, well, let's just get through like this week or this day yeah. or this month. Yeah. Or, or this moment. Or just this moment, moment. Yeah. And remembering to congratulate yourself is really Yeah. Good. Celebrate. Well done and have a little celebration. And I've just yeah. read, have you read Tiny Habits by BJ Fogg? No, I've not actually. Check that out and I'll put okay. show notes in. Yeah. Talks about creating, um, I'm going to put a blog post out about it too this week. Yeah. Uh, creating new habits. Yeah. And this dopamine rush that we get when we congrat- you know, when we celebrate. Yeah. So our celebration can just be congratulating ourselves and saying, mm-hmm. well, done. Woo! and I yeah. think Matt Robbins does that as well, you know, the little yeah. high fives to give you yeah. and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, it definitely. Helps you to feel good. Yeah. And while we're on the subject, I, this is a good time to announce it as any too. Um, I'll, yeah. On starting January the 2nd, I'm going to start it because I think mm-hmm. I've got to get through or I might make it January 1st. I'm not sure yet. But yeah. I'm going to do a How I Quit Alcohol three-month challenge where people can yeah. sign up to do a three-month challenge and we'll be doing weekly group coaching. Amazing. Um, so every Sunday we'll be doing big group coaching calls where everyone who's in the challenge just jumps on if they can or they can't. Yeah. And we just go through all the tools that get you through to help yeah. you through the three months. And then after the three months, they could decide if they're going to keep going or yeah. not. More about that later. But I think it's a great time too, especially with the new year coming in. Yeah, love it. To say, okay, let's do this. And some people don't want to do 12 months for sure. They yeah. three months. And I think any time off the booze is good. Absolutely. Of course, I'm always up for go for 12 months but you know some people that's all that's available to them yeah i mean just to give it a try and see what it's yeah. like absolutely and thank you so much for doing this I, i've definitely got a few pals that have been asking me so i'll definitely recommend this to them because i think it's good that you do like you were saying there having that accountability mm-hmm. like i remember like so at the beginning of every year i have a word for my year like a theme and i remember for that year it was brave heart <laughs> very Scottish but 
I was being really brave because I look at all the areas of my life, health, business, relationships, and I decide, okay, well, brave hearts, like the one word, the theme, but what, what are the things in each of those areas? And to me, it was having a really brave heart and saying, you know, this is like alcohol is something that's been in my life since the age of 14. And I think I was, what, 30, 31, 31, yeah. And, and now at the age of 31, I'm, I'm sort of making this decision that's going to require being brave, you know, because a lot, you know, a lot of my life sort of sent, a lot of my life is centered around it. Um, and yeah, I just think it's really important to just do something and give something a go. And yeah, like a three month program like that and getting that accountability and knowing that you're in it together with other people is really powerful. And, you know, and it just means you've just got accountability and you've got support. So I, I'm, I'm a big believer in, in all of that. For anything that is you know is difficult and a challenge for yourself, just surround yourself with people that are going and taking it on the same as you. So that's amazing. I love that. Yeah, and I think that's what you've just said there too is really beautiful as well. Just that it does take a certain amount of bravery and courage yeah. to even just to do something so where it's just honouring yourself in that yeah. way. Like it really yeah. is a very personal journey and it's one yeah. that... Um, a lot of people want to take on, but they they just don't feel that they can, or they feel too yeah. pressured, or yeah. they don't. I know this this is could maybe be a little controversial, but maybe not even love themselves enough no. to honor themselves in that way. Yeah, and that's one thing that really came out of it with my sober journey, and I'm going to ask you about this as well. But I didn't even realize how much I was hating. Oh, I mean, I knew how much I was hating on myself because I was always waking mm -hmm. up hating on myself. Yeah. But on a day to day, like when I looked in the mirror, like because I because I started to um, bring in a lot of positive thinking and a lot mm -hmm. of affirmations for myself, mm -hmm. I started to realize how much negativity was actually going on in my mind. Yeah. When I would look at myself, I'd criticize something on my body mm -hmm. or my skin mm -hmm. or my hair mm -hmm. or whatever, and just breaking all that down mm -hmm. and working on that. And that's what sobriety that is one of the best things that sobriety gave me yeah. is to break that down and just see where this trash talk that we do yeah. to ourselves. What have you found to be your greatest gift in sobriety? Yeah, that's beautiful. Thanks so much for sharing because I do recognize that a lot of people have those negative thoughts in themselves. I mean, I would, I would agree with that 100%. I think choosing to be sober is actually one of the highest forms of self-love for yourself and your body, like your mind, your body, your soul, like it just impacts everything. Like you have no idea how much it's going to impact everything when you start. But looking back now, I'm like, wow. So I think it is one of, it's a change that you can make. It might be the hardest change you make, but it's one that can be the biggest gift. So I definitely believe it's a high, one of the highest forms of self-love. In that year, so 2017, I literally achieved more in my business than I had in the last five. Yeah. And I, I remember that being a really big, like, wow, look, Michelle, look at just the things. And I think for me, it was this just sort of like, I was, I've always been a pretty energetic person, but it was just like getting up in the morning, 
I started to get up earlier as well. This was the thing. I never used to be a morning person. Like I remember my mum used to say, oh, don't speak to Michelle till after midday. You know, she's just not a morning person. And it became a bit of a thing. And then, but I was reading these books that said, if you got up early before everything starts and, you know, you just sort of spend that one hour for yourself. So I started to do that. I started to get up at like 6 a.m. every day. And I was like, what is going on? So then like I had like got up, done my meditation. Like you said, the positive affirmations, like this, I've read this book, Miracle Morning, that talks about how you just get yourself ready for the, the first hour of the day. So I did all of that. And then I'd go to the gym, I'd come back, I'd have my green smoothie. And then like 8 a.m., I'm ready to rock and roll. And the time midday comes, I've done all my work for the day. And I'm like, oh, I'm just going to go to the beach and just chill and listen to an audio. So for me, it was like what it brought me was just that clarity and clearness every single day, waking up and going, right. I'm on it. And and it and I think also just squeezing out this one percent more. So if you think about like I'm in this sort of business world and entrepreneurial world, and you know, you see that there's maybe the top five, ten percent of people in the world, um, are the most successful people, however you want to say it. Um, you know, you look at them and it's like what is different? And I think it's because you're just willing to do a little bit more. And by not drinking like the night before, like when it got to the next day, like I'd, up, I'd have that clarity, I'd set my morning out, I'd do all this really productive on purpose work. Um, and then I'd get to, and I'd do a few things, I'd get to the end of the day. And even just at nighttime, I'd just do that 1% more. And by doing that 1% more for 365 days, even if I just take the first year, that all built up. And so I now know why I achieved more in one year than I did in the previous five is because I just sent that one email at nighttime at 9 p.m. or 10 p.m. Whereas if I'd been drinking the night before, I'd be like, I just want to go to bed. You know, it's the, the little fuzziness, even if you're just having a couple or even if you're having a lot, obviously you're feeling more. But even just if you have a couple during the week, it was that fuzziness and it was gone. So it meant that I had the energy and the clarity to just send that message or send that one email or make that one phone call or make that one reach out, which just filled me with so much joy. I was just like, wow, like, um, yeah. And I just started making better decisions, better decisions around men, better decisions around relationships. Like, because when you drink, I mean, I don't know about any other women out there, but I just made stupid decisions around men. And I look back now and like, you know, for the last nearly four years, I've just made much better decisions in my relationships, even friendships. Um, so I'm going on here, but there's, there was just so many elements. You know, there was the overall self-love and well-being of myself, feeling good in my body. My body started to change. I became toned. My skin cleared up. My eyes got brighter. My hair grew longer. Like there was all these, I don't know if there's any signs you might know some of this but as my body started to glow and I felt good I really felt that I was honoring owning a health and well-being business because I was truly living it and I felt that you know I was doing that one percent more which made me grow a little bit more every day and then grow my business a bit more and just make good decisions that were in line with who I really was and who I really am versus who I thought I was when I was drinking, if that makes sense. So that's a very long answer, but that's just a bunch of stuff. No, I love that. And you're right too. And I talk about this often on the podcast with most of the guests. It's like, there is no area in life which hasn't improved. Like nothing Mm -hmm. got worse. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. Quitting. And every area has improved. Yeah. Out of sight. 
Yes. Because when you focus on you, like my grandmother used to, my granny Betty used to always say, Michelle, your health's your wealth. And if you're not at your health, you get nothing. And she said that to me for years and years. Like my, I used to call her a nagger. She used to say how it, I said, Grand, stop nagging me. And she'd be like, Michelle, I'm your advisor. And I I used to laugh at her at the time. And then I'm like, I'm now repeating everything she says, which is hilarious. She'll be like looking down at me like, "Mm mm-hmm. Um, and I, I never really got it growing up, but now I get it because if you don't have the health, you can't do anything. You can't. And so you don't have the energy and you don't have the clarity to do all those things and achieve all those dreams and goals or even just, you know, get through each day. Like you, if you've not got your health, you can't do what you want to do. No, that's right. Yeah, it's just that simple. Yeah, absolutely. So how did you, um, how, so when you, you've made the decision on January 1st and you said, that's it, I'm doing it, I'm yeah. going over for a year. How did you get through the tough times? What did you do to get through other than you've obviously made the decision? So you had yeah. it clear in your mind. Yeah. Um, and I often talk about that too. It's like a decision is very different to a maybe. So you've yes. made the decision. Yeah. How did you implement it? How did you get through that first few months? Um, yeah, so I think obviously just like I said, making that three month milestone was important to me and breaking it breaking it down. Um, there were certain things that I said no to. So I think saying no can be really powerful, especially in those first couple of months. And, and I recognize that I may be different from people listening. But for me, when I set a goal, I'm just very focused on that and how it's going to feel, what it's going to be like, how I'm going to celebrate that milestone. Like you said, the recognition that you give yourself and the reward for that. Um, but there were definitely a couple of social things that I said no to. That I would, yeah, like whether, because if when I thought about it, like a lot of the times when you meet people, it's in a bar. In fact, I really don't understand. I hope they actually, one of my goals or dreams would be actually to have non-alcoholic bars for evenings. I think it would just be amazing um, just to connect without the booze. Yeah. But um. You know, I yeah, I definitely said no to a number of social situations, whether it was in a bar or at people's homes that I knew they were going to be really, you know, but they're big drinkers. Um, and so I think there's something in just removing yourself from situations, especially in those first few months that you know are going to be quite difficult. Not just like I did go to them eventually, but and I did go to some of them, but there was definitely ones that I said no to. So how did you deal with the FOMO? So you've got that <laughs> out. Did you have any FOMO or were you just um, like- uh, I mean, looking back now, perhaps I did, but not much. I'm not I'm not a big fan of FOMO. Like I know a lot of people have. I'm just like, you know, you make a decision, stick to it and stay in it. I think I just chose chose the next best thought or the next best thing. So if I was like, um, you know, I'm not going to go to that party where everyone's at or whatever it is, I'd be like, well, Michelle, tomorrow you've got three business meetings and they start off at nine or you've got an ocean dip and sunrise at six, which always brings, which I was realizing was starting to bring me joy. So I think I, I think I would be like, you know what? I'm ma- it's, it's all this short-term sacrifice for long-term gain. And so it's looking at this decision you're making right now for this moment, but realizing what you could potentially get in the morning or the day after or whatever. So I think there's a little bit of that. Um, But also like 
I think it's also a good challenge. I think I did do this quite a lot where I did say yes to some things to go to see how it feel. And I, I, I did remember like having like a mocktail or something that looked like a cocktail or like, you know, something that looked a wee bit fancy. So I was like, okay, it's fine, you know. And I think some people definitely struggle with having something in their hand. I did a little bit in the beginning. So I think I started to explore different options. So that's when I discovered Seedlip, which is an amazing non-alcoholic spirit um, out of the UK. So I got introduced to that from my pal, Benny. I mean, even now, like three, four years later, the non-alcoholic market is going crazy but now there's a whole raft of non-alcoholic spirits that are popping up um or you know so i think that's really that's powerful but yeah i think for me saying no to some stuff saying yes to some stuff but then working out ways you can still be present with your friends um you know having the non-alcoholic mocktail or whatever it was like just little mechanisms and then knowing what you're saying no for um, like the next day or the next week or the next month um, and then building in little rewards for yourself. I think that's where so I started again, the self-care, the self-love extended because then I'll be like, okay, instead of doing that, I'm going to have a nutritious meal and, you know, I'm, I'm going to go for like an hour long massage, you know, there's, and so once you start one form of self-love and self-care through going sober, I think it leads into other elements and, um, you know, getting up earlier and things like that and you get more done. So, you, again, you start to I think you start to get excited by those things far less than just sitting in a bar watching people slowly but surely get drunk. And actually, I used it as a bit of an experiment. I was like, I wonder what drink it is. What's the point where everyone just loses it? Right. You know, that point where you're you used to be in it, but now you're looking from like the outside in. And I actually just it became an experiment for me when I was out in these bars and I'd always see ability like the third or fourth drink. And there's actually science behind this now. I think you hit euphoria after the third drink, but people think if you keep drinking, you'll keep going up. But actually it comes down. But I used to just watch people as they got to that third four. And then that to me, again, would be a, a sort of, right, okay, I'm out. I'm going to get in the car and go. So I'd enjoy that part and I'd be very present. But I knew after a certain point, my friends and those people would just, it would all start to get a bit crazy. So I knew when to get out. That's what I started to realize is that, Michelle, you need to have a, you need to have a, what's the word, like a, get out clause or just like a point where you know you're leaving you know in the car and the car's around the corner you're not drinking so you're like brilliant I'm gonna go home and then and we've not even spoke about this but I'm sure it'll come up but then the financial reward oh my god the amount of money I saved on alcohol the amount of money I saved not getting ubers like oh like insane absolutely insane I wish I tracked it I wish I actually tracked how much money but it'll be thousands and thousands of dollars well, Ash and I figured out that we could have bought an investment property with the money <laughs> spent. On <laughs> yeah. Um, so many things I want to say about what you just said, but I think definitely oh, on this Sunday, um, yeah. with the night, the evening that this podcast airs, so the 29th of November, mm-hmm. free webinar, um, which will only go for about half an hour, 45 minutes. So if anyone's listening to this today, it's tonight. Um but it's two on how to get through Christmas and situations and triggers that are going to be coming up and triggering people over, over this sort of silly period. But I love what you said too about like, now we're talking about the FOMO and I think it's also like just congratulating yourself to, if you say no and it's okay to say no, power in no and saying, no, I can't make it today or I can't 
come to this thing tonight, but don't, I think the FOMO is something like that's just within ourselves. So yeah, totally. congratulate yourself, yeah. have a beautiful bath at home, make a beautiful yeah. cup of tea, read a beautiful book, mm. you know, the crown on Netflix, whatever it is. <laughs> yeah. It's just going to nourish you and make you feel good. And like yeah. I said, I love that idea of just saying, committing to something early in the morning too they yeah. just say no i'm really going to enjoy getting up yeah for a run or going for a nudie dip on the beach or whatever yeah. first thing in the morning i think that's yeah. really really great and also i've talked about this before in the podcast um but setting time limits if you do go say yes, yes. I can come, but i have to be gone by yeah. so much time so you, it might be an hour at first yeah or it might be an hour and a half and then usually that's long enough even still to this day like if we go to a party Mm. I'm usually in and out within an hour or two. Yeah, yeah. The net people are starting to get a bit cray cray. Yeah, so. exactly. You know the point. And the other thing I was going to say there, the other thing that actually excited me was because sometimes I would get invited to like three or four things in a day or an evening, and it then what became exciting was I was able to go to all of the things. So I was able to build relationships and connect with all my friends in the one night because before if I was drinking I just have to commit to whatever that one party was and just be there and be drinking for the rest of the night so like in one night I was in like Surrey Hills for dinner with a friend then I ended up in Manly like catching up with a friend that was doing something there and then on the way back by like to Bondi there was something else on so I was like great I've just managed to connect with three of my really good friends in the one night and I'm back in bed before midnight like you know so I think this is really positive because you can start because you're driving and then you start to have and and I just felt the connections were deeper and I was having more obviously before it gets too much alcohol I was just actually connecting much much better and deeper with a lot of the people that I really cared about which was great and don't you feel like a winner too like when you've gone into a social situation and you haven't you know, woken up full of regrets the next day, which mm-hmm. we do as binge drinkers. Yeah. You feel so good when you go yeah. to that party and you go for an hour and yeah. you've gone in, you nailed it, you've <laughs> worked yeah. the room with your, with your <laughs> tonic or whatever it is. And, yeah. You know, you've done the rounds. You've yeah. Done, you got out there, you know, you even got out before you could, you could even get boring. Yeah. <laughs> like, wow, she's so amazing and your yeah. makeup's really intact. Yeah, exactly. And you wake up the next morning, you're just like, yes, winning. Yeah, winning. I love, I loved your face there. You're like, yeah, I'm totally like loving life. I've had a little jiggy. I've said hi to everyone. I've worked the room. See you later. I'm out of here. <laughs> Done. Perfect. I love it. It just, it just, you feel so good about yourself. Yeah. And then the other thing, of course, is as you're saying, like with alcohol, um, like to have an alcohol-free drink. Mm. Um, yeah, like um, there's a myriad of different whole um, free options now. And this podcast is sponsored by Monday Distillery, which do the most incredible GNT I've ever oh, tasted. Oh my God, did you try it? I'm not here to them. It's alcohol free. Um, and their packaging is gorgeous, but it's so, it looks so special when you rock up to the party and it, you really feel like you're taking something. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. And, um, so they're fantastic, but there's so many different options out there as well. So it yeah. is really important as well and this is what we'll talk about in the webinar mm-hmm. um different things that you can take but even also early on I would get a visual and sometimes still do if I'm a bit nervous about mm. somewhere what going a visual of me working the room <laughs> sober yeah. so getting a visual of yourself being the sober person yeah seeing how you're going to feel the next day like 
all that stuff. Um, even a visual of congratulating yourself for going and yeah. doing it feels so good. Yeah, like, visualize, visualization is so amazing and it really helps you feel into what that, that future state is going to be. It's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, and the, other, yeah the, the other thing I was thinking there as you were talking is I think, you know, people are definitely driven by fear or desire. Mm. Um, and so, and it could be a mix of both. I'm driven by desire. So like visualization is really powerful for me. And, you know, what's the reward at the end? What we're going to celebrate? But also some people can be driven by fear. So what's the consequence of me not making this decision? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So do you, are your health going to deteriorate? Are you going to lose more money or waste more money? You know, um, are you going to feel more stressed? Like, so I think that's a really good question to ask yourself. What's the consequence of me not doing this or making this decision? And what's the consequences um, of me, like making the decision to go for it? And so, you know, I think it's really important to decide or to understand what you're driven by. Is it fear or desire? And really lean into that to help make um the decision because i think that's what most people because like you said making the decision is like the first most important part yeah. like rather than being a maybe it's just like okay like we're both like we know the date we decided it was the first of january 2017 it's so clear yeah so it's just knowing what that is and be like yeah that's it yes absolutely i think and uh, yeah absolutely and you can have a bit of fear and desire too mm -hmm. Either yeah. of those things are great motivators, you know, yeah. to just say, often, I guess, to, to, for me to never go back, there is a bit of fear in there, I guess, because mm. I don't ever want to go back to that. Yeah. I don't ever want to go back yeah. to feeling like I'd feel when I woke up having drunk yeah. so much. Yeah. And I just, you know, I'm sure you feel the same too, just so proud of myself. You mm. know, feel the same? Like, yeah. Oh, like... It's funny because now it feels so normal, right? For us, it feels so normal. But for so many people, it's not. It's not normal. And actually, the majority of society in the world, it's not normal. But this feeling is just like the greatest feeling. It is the greatest feeling being just, it's almost like I feel, I feel now that I just fit into my body. Yes. It is a it's a real weird thing, but like before, I just you know like I've never been like overweight or anything. But I remember I've I've looked back at pictures of me when I used to drink versus now, and just my face was really bloated, you know. And it it, it feels now like I'm fitting into my face, you know, <laughs> like my body's toned up, my eyes are glittering the way they're supposed to glitter, you know, it's or the color they're supposed to be, and so you. You just, I just have this sense of, ah, oh, now I finally returned to me, yes. you know, and I think that's, that feeling is just like nothing else. And of course it's difficult and there will be challenges and even points where, you know, you might go back a little bit, back a few steps before you go forward. But yeah, this feeling now is really special. And nothing beats it. Any wine, champagne, anything in the world cannot beat and that's such a momentary pleasure too. Mm. This long-term feeling that you get mm. within yourself is unbeatable. Yeah. And, and we're in the perfect homeostasis. This is how we're meant to be. This yeah, is yeah, yeah. To be as a human. Yeah. Um, I just read this incredible book. Have you read um, The Happiest Man on Earth? Yes. Oh, my God. Eddie. I, I loved it. I loved it. 
so much. It just had me, I was just crying, crying, really. I was just so touched by that book. But there's one section in the book where he talks about everything they went through in Auschwitz. Yeah. People who don't know the book. It's um, Eddie was 100 years old when he wrote this book, mm-hmm. still alive, and he wrote this book as a survivor of the Holocaust. And he t- takes the reader through some pretty heavy journeys that he went through and just mm-hmm. what, the, what they had to endure and mm-hmm. the human body, like how it's capable of withstanding the most horrific, like starvation mm-hmm. and dehydration and mm-hmm. all these things that they would do to try and keep themselves alive or to keep mm-hmm. each other alive. Um, but then he says, and that's what he, he can't understand how we're just filling ourselves with alcohol and drugs and yeah. treating ourselves poorly when our bodies are just so precious and they're, yeah. you, know, we're, you know, our body is a temple, you know, yeah. I hate to say yeah. it, a bit, but, you know, how precious we are and yeah. just to respect our bodies and yeah. how in those concentration camps, how hard they fought to keep themselves healthy and alive. No, alive, yeah. And so we're just yeah. so lucky to have that opportunity to be able to look after ourselves well. Yeah. So that's just the most incredible book too. And I just yeah. urge anyone, I'll put um, notes in as well for that. Yeah. Um, show notes for anyone that's just, because it also makes you realise, fuck, what do we got to whinge about? <laughs> you know, some of us, we complain about our lives. It's like, oh, my God, we don't know suffering like yeah. some people have. Yeah. I mean, obviously, some of us suffer, but this and you know yeah perspective yeah that was I remember there was quite a significant moment and this is probably goes back to like reading like books like that or getting inspired but you know I've always been a big believer in being curious and learning and growing so as I quit alcohol you know I started to read more about the benefits of it and stuff like that and there was two significant things that I remember in the first year I remember that article about when you hit euphoria it's actually three drinks and I was like oh that makes sense and then and then there was another one that basically said the the word alcohol alcohol actually is meaning is Hebrew and it means poison Wow, yeah, I have heard that before. Yeah, so yeah. the actual meaning of alcohol is um, Hebrew and it's poison. So that's how it started. And then the other thing that happened was I listened, I don't know if you've ever listened to some some of Dr. Wayne Dyer's um, <laughs> work. I'm laughing because all I do is bang on about Wayne. <laughs> okay, well, you, you, you may have heard this, but... I was listening to one of these, you know how on YouTube, he's got these incredible like hour too long, two hour long seminars on YouTube. And I think how amazing. And I used to like, so each day I'd plug him in and I'd go down the beach and I'd just like, he's so relaxing. Like his voice is just like, oh. And I remember I was sort of in between awake and not awake. So sort of mid conscious. And um, there was this one sentence. Again, these one sentences, they just, you just hear them when you're supposed to hear them. So I think I was maybe like six months or just before the six month mark of not drinking. And this one sentence, he said, if you want to be the highest possible human being you can be, you can't have substances in your body. And it was just like, boom. And I was like, and he said, if you want to serve and you want to love and you want to be in service to others, and just be the highest possible being in this lifetime, you can't have alcohol in your body. And he said, that's why I gave up alcohol 25 years ago. So this is when he shared this. And I was like, 
oh and it was like I can't even remember anything else from that entire two-hour YouTube video apart from that one sentence so when you get on this path you're giving you're giving things and you're you're choosing to tune into this you the universe will deliver messages to you and things to you that will keep you on that path and I remember listening to that going right well I want to be the highest possible being I can be who wouldn't right yeah exactly so you just go right you know we've got one shot we've got one shot at this in this lifetime as this human so what are you going to choose like you're going to choose your highest possible being or are you going to be mediocre or are you going to be feeling pain you know we weren't born to feel pain you know we definitely are not so um it's just making those choices conscious choices that are going to work in our favor yeah it can be a challenge but we'll you know take us to that place and I just couldn't think of anything more aspiring I know how beautiful is Wayne I love Wayne and this is what it's all about to getting back to the self and returning back because like you say like when we're babies when we're kids you know we don't give alcohol to children yeah um kids kids are just so in the moment in the now and they're not needing that they're not needing that so Mm. what point you know as we became teenagers when that Mm -hmm. became too and that's as this is when we sort of start to disconnect from ourselves so it's about getting back to the self and oh my god Wayne Dyer is is the man for sure yeah well thank you so much Michelle um so much for your time today you're a truly inspirational human talk to you all day (laughs) (laughs) I could talk to you all day I feel I feel we've got this connection because we started on the same day no how cool it's so cool it's so cool thank you so much and thank you for what you're doing because I know that a lot of people really want to make this change Mm. and they're finding it really hard and I, and I know that what you're doing and the effort that you're putting in in this podcast and the webinars and the coaching and all that is going to massively help people make this change so well, congratulations and well done for everything you you're doing it's really powerful thank you so much and thank you for sharing your story and I'm, I'm sure it's definitely going to help some people and mm. I'll also put um links for people if they want to get in contact with you on the show notes I'll have I think I've got a lot to put in the show notes from today's podcast but again just um on the 29th of November we have the free webinar on how to get through this crazy Christmas time and to stay yeah. on track and how to deal with family and all those kind of crazy yeah. things because that can be absolute hell yeah I know it can <laughs> and um and also yes um check out on the website too about the three-month challenge that we've got coming up and I think Michelle and I can both attest that it's a great time the first or the second of Jan is a good yes. Just go with the first. Yeah, first. I love it. Maybe start the challenge on the first, but just do it. I think start start it the way you you mean to go on. That's it. Been hungover. Exactly. Do it in that feeling in that place because you'll be like, oh, right, I'm ready. Yes, and I yeah, absolutely. All (laughs) right. Thank you so. Oh, Michelle, just before you go, what advice would you give to your 14 year old self who's there on the oval? Oh, that 14-year-old self, what advice? Just any advice or around alcohol? <laughs> Life advice, what would you give, what advice would you give that girl? What advice would I give that girl? Oh God, that's a good question. I think what's coming up is just love yourself. Love yourself for who you really are. That's what's coming up. Yeah. <laughs> that's that. Thank you so much. Thanks, my love. See ya.
Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you.